It's just great to be here this morning. Great to have you here. We uh, always enjoy the presence of the saints of God as we get together. I was reading where David said, David said, ah, the world's wicked. Look at them. They're just going here and there and doing everything. But as for me, he said, I'm going to the Lord's house. So I'm going to go to the Lord's house. That's, that's where I belong. And I feel that way this morning. Just we belong in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank the Lord that uh, His goodness is here upon His people. We just believe as we take the Word of God this morning, let the Lord just minister to you. Um, we, we don't, you know, the conducting of a service, we just do what we know. We, we don't know how to do anything other than what the early church did. They came together. They, um, they worshiped. They received offerings. And by the way, now our offerings are on the side. And, and so anytime you feel uh, that as part of your worship, then give to the Lord. But they took offerings and they taught the word of God. That's what they did. So it wasn't an exact format. I mean, they may have taught first. I don't know. But those elements is what was in the early church. And so that's what we want. Because the early church was right. The latter church has not evolved. I say this, they haven't evolved, but the latter church has devolved from the origins of what the apostles and the Lord laid down. And so what they did, we want to emulate that. Can everybody say amen to that? And so this is what we do. This is what we do. We, we sing, we worship, which is a, an, an awesome thing for us to be able to express words unto the Lord in song, thankfulness unto Him. Amen. God bless you. So good to be with you. We have, uh, well, it's a second time for many of you, so in the second time we don't call out visitors anymore. But we have some second time visitors here, so let's give them a hand. We're so glad that they're here. Um, and uh, I think some third time, fourth time, some that's been here a long time. And saying, when can I leave? You know. But we're just glad to have you here. God bless you. I believe in God appointments. And let me just say this, you know, kind of sort of by the way. Uh, we have a lot of people visit our church. And especially when we were, you know, established in California. And just, we were on the road to the park. And so we would, you know, just get a lot of visitors, various people. And people knew where we were at in the community and come by. But I believe God appoints. God places. I had a couple come to our This is just free. This has nothing to do with the scripture. But we had a couple come to our church, and they had, they had left another church for a, a reason. And I didn't discuss that reason, but they had been there a while, and they left that other church. They came to visit us, and um, they said, we're just going to the churches in the area and just, just see, you know, the, the various churches and I said, that is great. That is great. You need to do that. And you need to find God's placement. And they placed with us, and they were there 17 years until we left. And they didn't come with us, but they were a big part of our, our body there. And I believe in that. God puts you somewhere 
And there you begin to put down roots. Everybody say amen. You start putting down roots. And then you say, Lord, okay. God, begin to build me. Begin to make me what it is you want me to be and, and become part of that fellowship. Amen. So I just said that for free. It's just, just some information there. Take it or leave it. Would you turn your Bibles over to John, the fifth chapter? In the 39th verse of the fifth chapter of the book of John. Interesting, the Lord's kind of taken me a little bit of a different direction that I haven't, don't think I've gone this direction before. And so, search the scriptures. Well, Jesus said, you search the scriptures for you think in them you have eternal life. You do not have eternal life in the scriptures. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, and they are the ones witnessing concerning me. Because in him is eternal life, not in the scriptures. But the scriptures do witness concerning him. Oh, I'm glad we have Bibles. I'm glad we have Bibles. And you are not willing to come to me that you may have eternal life. He's talking to the Jewish clan here. You'll go to the scripture and look for life. But you won't come to me and look for life. Big mistake. Big mistake. Acts, the 17th chapter. And so we want to read just a little portion of scripture over here. We've made kind of alluded to this recently. The 17th chapter, and just start at the first verse, and we'll read down a couple. And traveling through Amphipolis and Apollina, Apollinia, they came to Thessalonica, where a synagogue of the Jews was. And according to Paul's custom, he went into them and reasoned with them from the scriptures on three Sabbaths, opening and setting forth that the Christ must have suffered and have risen from the dead, and that this is Christ Jesus, whom I announce to you. Lord, we just ask you now. This isn't a new word, but Lord, it's a fresh word to us. God, I pray that you just that you would just cause it to ring in our hearts this morning. Just, just ring the bells of our heart, we pray, Lord. And minister it to us in your name, Jesus. Amen. Search the Scripture. Search the Scripture. And so the Jews wanted to find eternal life, and they missed it. They missed it. They looked for the wrong thing. Do you know you can read the Bible and look for the wrong thing, and you will miss it? The Bible is about something. It's really about someone. And guess what? It's not you. It's not you. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And so I, I want to look at something and start. I'm, I'm going to do this maybe for a little bit, and, and hopefully you will, you'll get something out of this. But we're going to go back and search the Scriptures. I almost exclusively preach from the New Testament. I just, that's where we live. It's who we are. We are not living in an Old Testament time. 
I believe in the Old Testament, but most generally, the Old Testament is used for a springboard for uh, talking about some facet of life, some kind of miracle, something God did back there and he'll do it again. Okay, I believe that. But that's not why we go back to the Scripture. So we're going to hold to what, what the Lord said. Seek and search the Scriptures, and there you will find who? You'll find Him. So Jesus, in His ministry, quoted from the Old Testament often. I, th I think because of the people that He was dealing with, entrenched in the Old Testament, thought they had life there, he would quote from uh, various parts of the Scripture, the Old Scripture, and one of the most prevalent, often placed that he referred to was the book of Psalms. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you add up all of his uh, references to the Old Testament, the book of Psalms is going to be number one. Deuteronomy is number two. And so he does refer to Deuteronomy and the law and and thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and we love the Shema. Amen. He refers to the Shema. But primarily, he refers to the book of Psalms. When we think of the book of Psalms, we think of kind of a happy book, right? So you're not feeling good today. You go to the book of Psalms because the Psalms has, it just got a lot of joy in it. It's got a, a lot of uplifting. I mean, he, there the psalmists do talk about some issues they're having in their life, but but there's a lot of joy there. It just, it just lifts you up. And so when we read the book of Psalms, it, it kind of brings us to, a, to an elevation in our spirit. But the Lord is not just talking about those things. He, he's referring to things that really have to do with Him. And so if we look for the Lord in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms would be first. But think of Isaiah and the prophecies of Isaiah, which are... Wow, they're just vivid about the Lord. You know, a child will be born, a son will be given. And we understand a virgin shall conceive. And there's, there's a lot that Isaiah says prophetically about the Lord. But the book of Psalms has more. And so we're going to look at, at some Psalms for a little bit. I want you, if you would, go to Psalms 2 and just follow with us. Because if we look at the book of Psalms... We're going to see there, the Lord loved King David's writings. He loved King David. He refers to King David a lot. And he takes on the title, the son of David. When you think of David, try not to think of his failures. Because David had some pretty, he had some rough spots in his life. And we've had some rough spots in our lives, right? Amen? We've had some things that, oh, man, I'm glad that it's not written down in the Bible for everybody to read about me. But every one of David's mistakes are written down and, and, and everybody reads about it. And you think about his mistakes and his troubles, but still, David's heart is, oh, oh God, take not your spirit from me, Lord. I've, I've failed you, oh, God. And, and he turns his heart to the Lord. And Jesus loves this man, not because he is just his great ancestor, but because of his heart towards God. And so we look in the Psalms, and especially those that are written by David. Some are not written by David, but, but we're going to look at one that is this morning. 
Psalms, the second chapter. That when we look for the Lord in the Old Testament, I'm going to have to bring this to you again. I've talked about it before, but let me bring it to you again. The odds of one man fulfilling the prophecies of Christ in the Old Testament, the odds, somebody figured it out, are 1 to 10 with 17 zeros behind it. Don't even have a number for that. That's the odds. So let me say this again. If you covered the state of Texas with two foot of silver dollars, the whole state, and you took one silver dollar and you marked it and put it anywhere in the state, you blindfolded a man, turned him around and around and told him the first one that you have to pick up in the whole state is the one that's marked. That's the odds. Otherwise, it is impossible for a man to fulfill the Old Testament Scriptures. It's not possible. There's just one possibility. And His name is Yeshua Jesus. Can you say amen? And so when we look at Him, He is the fulfilling of everything in the Old Scripture. So there's not a question about Him. There's there's just only confidence that we're going to proceed in the old scripture and we're going to find the Lord there fulfilling everything that God had said. Because, listen, it's determined in the beginning. Brother Nathan said the other day, quoted this out of John 1, 1, beginning was the logos of God. And in the logos and reasoning and plan and purpose of God, not just a word, but the purpose of that word, the, the beginning of all things, God purposed. To become flesh and dwell among men. That was the purpose of God. The 14th verse. And the Logos of God became flesh and tabernacled among men. Beautiful. So when we, when we look at him, in the beginning God called it. All along, God is putting a nation together to bring him in, to usher him in. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are not about Jews. They're about the bringing of Christ into the world. And so when we look at him in this way, we're going to find him throughout the all the Old Testament. Now, I want to look at, if you, if you will, turn your Bibles to Psalm 2, because I want you to follow along with me. And I'll probably be a little more teaching this morning than preaching and but I, I do want to be passionate about it. Um, Rodney, you're going to have to get me a, a couple of things as I go along here. I want you to get me Acts, the fourth chapter, and the 25th verse. Acts, the fourth chapter, and the 25th verse. And you'll see why that I'm trying to bring this. Some of the Psalms, we don't know who wrote them or not sure what it's about. But Psalms, the, or excuse me, Acts, the fourth chapter, 25th verse who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? Why did the people imagine a vain thing? Go to the next verse. And the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Next verse. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both 
Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. A verification of not only a quote of an Old Testament thing in the, in the, in the first few verses of Psalms, and look at the first few verses of Psalms, why do the heathen rage and, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, if you know what that word anointed is, that's His Messiah, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away the cords from us. And it is completely, totally fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's exactly what they did. They took counsel against him, right? I like the way the apostle said, Pontius Pilate and the Jews and the Gentiles and Herod even. He makes it factual that what David spoke about in Psalm 2 came to pass in our Lord Jesus Christ when they crucified him, brought him to trial on no charges, stood against him and crucified him. It's an exact fulfillment of the first few verses of Psalms 2. Isn't that wonderful? And they said, let us break the bands off. We, we, don't, we don't want these bands upon us. This, as, as David is writing, I, I, I see the prophetic spirit of God upon him. Not the foolishness of, of what's going on today. People that are calling themselves prophets. Not that kind of foolishness. Not the foolishness of, of bringing in politics and all kinds of things and prophesying over that stuff. I don't need any prophecies about 2024. The prophecy I need is about the Christ. If I can understand Him, I'm going to make it through 2024 no matter what happens. No matter who gets voted in, who gets voted out, no matter what kind of things they pass or they don't pass, if we're in the Lord, we're going to make it. Can you say amen? This, this prophetic idea that's out there is a prophetic idea about, they claim it to be about the church, but, but the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so if you don't have any revelation of Jesus Christ in your prophecy, then you're not prophesying of Him. And so I wonder, you know, why don't they write it down? I love it, the book of Psalms, and David wrote his prophecy down. And now they got to see it came to pass in Jesus Christ. Those that are prophesying now, they're not writing it down so the elders and the people can judge it. No. Because they're not coming to pass is one reason. And they're not coming to pass, and they don't want people to judge their prophecy not coming to pass, so they don't write it down. But David and the men of God in the Old Testament put it on ink and paper so that posterity could look at it and see if they were really a prophet of God or they weren't. David was a, he was a man after God's heart. Can you say amen? And so what he says is beautiful. Um, let us break away. I think about that. Not only the Jews wanted to throw the bonds and, uh, and cords off of themselves. They wanted to keep their religion. They didn't want. Jesus said, You're, you missed your day of visitation. He came and they didn't want him. They rejected him. But he's the cornerstone, right? Amen. 
and they're missing their time of visitation and being founded on Christ. But it's a parallel of our day. Christ is being expelled from the church. And you say, no, Pastor, that's, that's silly. You know, that's silly. There's the cross over the, the, the building. But you go in that place and you may not hear anything about the Lord. They're not going to preach about Him or they're not going to really even sing about Him. I mean, you, you leave out of that place and you feel better than when you went, but it isn't in the Lord. And so there's the, a move away from the bands. Hey, man, it, this is humani- uh, humanity, right? Want to be free. I thought about the hippies when I, I, I was a young man. Oh, probably fifth, sixth, seventh grade, somewhere in there. Our little school in Soulsbyville, California, which was up in the hills, which was really, you know, separate from, we weren't even by a big town. We're going to take a trip down to San Francisco and go to the zoo there. But when we go to the zoo, we're going by Haight-Nashbury because we've never seen hippies before. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, uh, lived back in that time, so we're talking about um, 1960, 64, 65, around in there. There's some of you, and if you weren't in California, you don't know about hippies. So all the Oklahoma people are going, ah, what's a hippie? A hippie was a guy who threw off all the bands and the chords. Doesn't want to be told what to do. He throws off the bands and chords of family, religion, government. He's down to a dirty pair of Levi's, no shoes, a dirty T-shirt, and long hair. But they're an anomaly. I mean, you go by and look at them, and, and it's, you're just shaking your head. How, do these, how are these people living like this? Because what's supporting them? Well, the end result of being a hippie is not good. No job, no house, no car, no money, no food, no nothing. When you take off the bands and the restraints of what should be in your life, you're going to become a spiritual hippie. Oh, they felt good, real good for a while. Do you know why the hippie thing didn't last? You can only go so long without food. I mean, they bummed off the streets and, 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 and all of that, but, but ultimately, they had shaken off everything. They didn't work. They didn't do nothing. Sit around and smoke dope. That's all they did. Take, take hallucinating drugs. They're out of their mind. Boy, they thought that was, that was the life. But in a few years, they got nothing. Well, let me tell you about throwing off the bands of what God has put in place in your life. Oh, it feels good for a minute. Hey, nobody tells me what to do. Hey, I'm not really under. I've talked to people that just, I'm not under pastors. I'm not under a church. I don't know. I don't do that kind of stuff. And that feels really, really, really good for a while. Until your spiritual broke, you got no food, you got no shelter, you got no friends, you got no family. It just doesn't work. Can a church say amen? 
Let us not throw off the restraints that God has put upon us. See, we've got a wrong idea about freedom. Sometimes we're looking for a false freedom. That's what the hippie was looking for, a false freedom. They had freedom, all right. But with that false freedom came, came, came a, a disaster in their life. But if we have freedom in Christ, we have freedom to live the way that He has set us up to live. We have freedom in that under the umbrella of Christ. We have this glorious freedom of God to live and enjoy and thrive and be prosperous and do the things that God has called us to do and we're happy and we have, we have peace about us. We have peace in our family and our life and our home because we're staying under the restraints of what God has put us under. Does everybody understand that? No, restraints are wrong. No, restraints are right. Thank God for laws in this country. I don't always obey them. I'm not an outlaw. But that sign said 70 and I'm going 71. I don't think I'm a criminal. I'm not sure that, you know, that has anything to be godly about. But I'm glad we have laws in this country. Come on, say amen. Okay, we came from California where it's turning lawless. Freedom. Freedom preached there. Come to this state. What Newsom says, come to this state and you'll find out what real freedom is. Well, I'll tell you what real freedom is there. Is 20 cars pulling up to a mall and smashing the windows out and grabbing all the stuff that's in. That's freedom. Freedom for people in San Francisco to lay on the streets and defecate on the streets and and, and urinate all over the buildings, and you're trying to go there and visit. It's a mess, but they're free. I don't want that kind of freedom. I want some freedom under law. Can you say amen? And the house of God is freedom under law. No, no, we want to cast the bands off. We don't want any kind of restriction. We want to just have full uh, uh, opportunity to do whatever we think we want to do. And the Lord is saying, no, don't cast off the things that I've put on you. Because there's joy in serving Jesus the way he's designed it. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 So let's, let's move on. And so the next verse, and I'm not going to preach all day, but uh, it's verse um, 6. Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill. See, there's those that have laughed and scoffed and said, no, we don't need all that. We're going we're gonna to turn ourselves from that. But yet God said, I have set my king. Now I want you to know that a king has a kingdom and a king has laws and rules in his kingdom. But I've set my king upon my holy hill. And I will laugh at those that try and avert that. I will laugh at their calamity. We don't see that picture of God. He's laughing at the calamity of people. Yes, because... They are turning from him, and, and he does not respect those that turn from him. And they don't respect, God doesn't respect those that get out from under his restraints and out from under his order because he has set his king on his holy hill. And if we went to, to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and we won't go there to read, but tw- Hebrews, the 12th chapter, 22nd verse, and it talks about we have come to that holy hill of Zion. We have come to that new Jerusalem of God. We have come to the church of the firstborn of God. 
And God has set his king, and we have come under his king. His king was on his throne, a cross. And on that cross, he became the king. And over him was written the king. And he's the king. And he's the one who sets the rules. And we are the ones that love him and abide by his rules of his kingdom. Amen. He will laugh at those that try to put aside his rules, his ways. No one changes the plan of God. Sorry. No one. No one changes his plan. So look at verse 7. I'm, we're going to get some really good stuff here in a second. This, this, is, this is fantastic. The word of God, I mean. Not my preaching. The word of God. Verse 7. I will. Everybody say will. You know, will is future, right? Future tense. Not done yet, but it's going to be done. I will declare the decree. Yahweh has said to me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. We're reaching into the prophetic now. We're getting to the heart of the issue now. I will declare the decree. If you go to Hebrews, the first chapter, you're going to find a declaration there, a decree there that is absolutely going to spell out what it is, is the Lord himself declaring over the son that is born And it is this way. Today, I call you my son. Today, you have been begotten. And I see God in eternity. He's setting down a time and and gives to David this time. He's prophesying an appointment in the future. I will declare it. And it doesn't happen. And we don't know it until Hebrews, the first chapter. But, but it's there. He is going to declare that he has a son now. And I'll say this, and, and there's people that get mad. They may not like this, but I'm sorry. I have to say it, that he's not a father until he has a son. And if he doesn't have a son, the son doesn't have a father. There is no father and son relationship until you get to Bethlehem, until you get to where Luke, Luke 2.11 says, and the angel says concerning that day, for unto you is born This day, today is born to you in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ our Lord. Today. Today is is an appointment in time. He's not born in eternity. He's not developed in eternity. The Son is not given to eternity. The Son is given to the earth. And today... I have begotten thee, and I will call you my son, and you will call me your father. It's an exact, absolute representation of what David said. It's the exact wording. It's the exact idea of what David brings out in Psalm 2, that there will come a day. I will declare it. It will happen. There's coming a day when there will be a son, and that son is going to be born into the world, and that's... That's the one who is the king that I'm going to set on high. Can everybody say amen? It's beautiful. The exact wording is in Hebrews, the first chapter. And so I like this because 
the angelic host that spoke in Luke 2 also line up and obey in Hebrews in the first chapter, the sixth verse. They bring all worship to this one who is born. And now all worship and all honor and all praise goes to this child that is born in the city of David, this one, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. According to David, the Son was not birthed out in eternity somewhere, but the Son was birthed in a day. So even uh, Christology can be founded in the Old Testament. And so I see Paul, you know, Paul is going, this is why we read this about Paul. Paul's going to the synagogue, and he does not have a New Testament. He's going to write most of the New Testament, but he doesn't have one. How can he persuade them of Jesus Christ? How can he do it? Well, he can flip over to Psalm 2. He can flip to Psalms 2, and there is this vivid picture, and I love this because this is where Paul went. He went to this Old Testament to persuade people that Jesus is the Messiah. So if we look at verse 8, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance. So I'll look at a few parallel verses in Matthew 12, 21. And the nations will hope in his name. In Romans 15, 9, I will confess you in the nations. The 10th verse, praise the Lord, all ye nations. The 12th verse, the root of Jesse shall be, and he rising up to rule the nations. John 1, 11, he came to his own. His own received him not, but to as many as received him. He gave them the privilege to become the children of God. See, I'm glad that it wasn't restricted to the Jews. They didn't want him. They turned him out. They turned him away. The cornerstone was, was left off, but, but God was building a new building. He wasn't building a tabernacle. He wasn't redoing an old temple. But he was building himself a church. And upon that church, Peter, upon this rock, upon the cornerstone, Christ Jesus, and the revelation of who he is, I will build my church. And his church is a compilation of the nations. It's all of those that believe him, for whosoever will come to him, not just the Jews, not just the select people, but whosoever will, let him come and drink from the water of life freely. Can you say amen? And you and I who are lost in our trespasses and sins, we're not Hebrews here this morning. We're not insiders. We're outsiders. But God has brought us who was on the outside. We were strangers. He's brought us to the commonwealth of Israel. And now we have been grafted in. And we have become the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that the Jews cannot believe. There's some that do. There's some that receive him as Christ. But those that don't are missing the church. Now we got this war going on. I had yesterday. This is amazing uh, guy. We love him. S Dr. Scott Berta called me. Called actually Kay's phone, but he wanted to talk to both of us. 
Scott's the one that did the surgery on her, and and um, he was he's a believer. We talked to him before she went in, and he said we're going to pray, and we prayed together. He went and got in the middle of that surgery, and he stopped and he told his attendants there, the other doctors. He said we have to pray. She's going to die. I can't do this. But we were out in the lobby praying. How many were there out in that lobby praying? We were out in that lobby praying. He said, I felt the Spirit of God come in that room. Now, I, I don't know, you know, where's the relationship with the Lord. I don't know where he's at on all that. But he said, I felt the Spirit of God come in there. And, and I knew that the Lord had ministered to me so that I could do what I needed to do. And this man calls yesterday and he just says, I just, I just need, or the other day, text, he said, I need prayer. And we prayed and called us back and said, God supernaturally did the work in his life, which is amazing. And we thank the Lord for that. And I don't know where that story went, so I'm going to go back to the text. I want to look at the um, 12th verse. This verse is so amazing. Kiss the sun. Now, you have to understand that there is no sun to kiss at this point. I will declare <laughs> there's going to come a time I will set my king upon his holy hill. But now he's going to say, kiss the sun. Let's just read this whole verse. This, this is amazing. We're going to close down on this verse. Kiss the sun, lest you be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Kiss the Son is an unmistakable reference to the Lord Jesus. Unmistakable. <laughs> the Old Testament never encourages a son. It never Somebody said, well, you know, when the three Hebrew boys were in the furnace and the, and the king looked in and he said, there's one in there and he's like unto the Son of God. See there? there, there no. There really is no reference for the Jews to worship, to praise, to honor the Son. Because it's futuristic. It's going to come. A child shall be born. He's not born now, but he shall be born. A son shall be given. And so when we look at this, this scripture, kiss the Son... Now, I want to take you to, um, and, I, and I tried to look at this a little bit, you know. Um, we're not real kissy around here. Be kissy with your wife. That's fine. Don't, get, don't be kissy on other people, okay? Now, you know, I, I, I'm a man, and, and I don't want any guys come up kissing me, I, you know. But, okay, so what they did, it wasn't really exactly that. It, it was more of a hug, embrace, and you know, kind of, kind of a, a, a cheek kiss, sort of. 
And they still do that. Some, some of the Arab countries, you see them doing that. And uh, I just watched, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I just watched Biden do that. He almost fell down. But, but uh, anyway, they still practice that where, where they, it, it's just like an embrace. It's a greeting. Um, some cultures in the Middle East took it to kissing on the lips. I'm going to tell you what. man comes up and kisses me on the lips. He's going to have a fat one. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. But the Bible says, kiss, kiss the brethren, you know. Well, okay. At times it changed just a little bit. <laughs> I'm not in rebellion of the Scripture here, but you know, let's, we're going to hold it right, okay? All you men believe that? Say amen. All right. <laughs> But the kissing here is really an acceptance. It's an embracing. It's a receiving with respect and honor. That, that, that's what this is meant, means in, in embracing a reverence to this person. That you accept them, you honor them. It would be almost like in some cultures they bow, you know, different thing. We give a, a fervent shake of a hand, you know. Brother Wayne got me this morning and I wasn't ready, but I re-gripped. One thing about my brother, if you ever shake his hand, be careful that you get your hand all the way in there because your fingers are going to hurt. <laughs> but we give a fervent, and we mean it, right, brother? Or we, you know, Hug around the neck. Charlie sometimes grab you by the back of the neck. And I go, <laughs> But it's kind of a, you know, just, it, it's just like, you're my brother. And, and so that's what this kiss is about. Everybody understand that. It's not the sloppy wet kiss in the song. No, uh-uh. We're not doing that one. That's, that's, a, that's, that's put on by a homosexual spirit. We're not doing that. But I want you to know something. Anybody can greet you. Anybody can kiss you. It doesn't mean they're honoring you. Now, watch this. I'm going to show you something here that the Lord, the Lord gave to me. Because Judas Iscariot, Isn't that amazing that he could have just took the Jews out there and said, he's the guy right there, and pointed him out. No, he betrays him with a kiss. And now I'm going to tell you something that the Lord says to me about this. Every one of the disciples, apostles, left something for the church. Matthew, Peter, John. Jude, James, they left something for the church. Paul the Apostle leaves something for the church. Well, I want you to know something. Judas also left something for the church. Now, I didn't realize this exactly, but Judas left hanging in the air. He left his mantle there for anyone to wear. And it's called the kiss of betrayal. It's in every church. 
until we cast it out. The kiss of betrayal. What, what's the kiss of betrayal? The kiss of betrayal is to your face, I love you. But to your back, I stab you. The Lord says to me, it's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual. Why does that? Man, I labored in some, I, I mean, I've been pastor in a long time. And I, so there's some nice people, good people who took the coat, the mantle of the betrayal, the kiss of betrayal. And to my face would say, you're the best pastor in the world. And then I would hear, I'm going to tell everybody in this building right now, you can't say anything about me that I won't hear. It all comes back. Take to my face and love me and then in my back stab me. That's, that, see, I'm going to tell you something. That's exactly what Judas did to the Lord. And exactly what a lot of people do if they're not careful, that cloak... That mantle is hanging around the church just like the apostles left the good stuff. They left the scriptures. They left everything that we needed. Yet that mantle is hanging around and people pick it up and to the face of the church, the body of Christ, I love you, I love you, and then stab you in the back later. I'm going to tell you what, men, I want you to know something. Be aware of it. Be aware in your home. Be aware over your children. Don't let it enter your life. It's a destroyer. It's a destroyer. Jesus said, woe, woe to the man who gives me the kiss of betrayal. It would be better for him if he had never been born. So, well, oh, that's just past their narrow ideas. And no, it's the body of Christ. I'm going to kissy, kissy up to the body of Christ. But when I get home, I'm going to beat him to death. I've had that over the years, but I want you to know something, that God is not pleased with that. He's angry because he says they will perish from the way. Those that don't, those that give the kiss of betrayal, perish from the way. And I like what Brother Nathan said the other day. What, what's the way? It's the way to life. It's the way to truth. It's the way to our Lord and Savior. They perish from the way because they have taken on the mantle of the betrayer. But then it doesn't end there, and I love this. Blessed are they who put their trust in Him. Now, wait a minute. i got to say who here, because we're not just God in general. Kiss the Son. Everybody say the Son. Blessed are they that put their trust in Him. I've always said this. I believe this. I wish they'd have put on our money. In Jesus Christ we trust. Then we would know it's not Allah. It's not some other God. It's not Satan. It's not the God of this world. But we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything I have, I trust in Him. My life, I trust in Him. My home, I trust in Him. Our church is trusted in Him. Everything that we are, we trust in the Lord, our God, our Yeshua, our Savior, our Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is our high rabbi. He's everything to us. And I like this because at the birth of the son, there's another redirect. It's an emphatic direction for us. Blessed are they that put their trust in the son. Say, so, well, I want to serve God. You know, I, I, Jesus was good, but I, I want to serve God. No, blessed are they that put their trust 
in Him. So the redirection of our trust. Think Brother Tim Stewart the other night. His message was, his testimony was, remember? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. I think he took out of the book of Psalms. Did he take out of the book of Psalms? Trust in the Lord. But not just some God of an Old Testament, but the Son that's given the image of the very God who became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord, for Psalm 2. I just got in that, and I said, oh, Lord, there you are. There you are, Lord. It's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for Psalm 2. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessed, anointed servant, David. Aren't you glad David wrote to us? He penned down prophetic words that we can see in Christ now. We are persuaded. Thank you, Paul. Went to the synagogues and persuaded them. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me say amen right there. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Would you stand with us? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, for, again, I say, Lord, for the psalm here. Just beautiful. I began to study that and see. It's just clarity. And David is prophesying on the other side of the cross. He's not looking back. He's looking forward too. And he doesn't know for sure except for the spirit of prophecy is moving in him. And he writes down some amazing things that we also can be anchored in and foundation of our faith in Christ Jesus we thank you, Lord. May everybody that heard this this morning, let them just dwell on it. Let it grow in every heart. And we give you all glory, Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord.